Hey, I want to welcome you if you are a guest with us. Uh, we are so glad that you're here with us. We're so thankful uh, for the opportunity uh, to be able to be together in worship. And if you're watching online, uh, we're grateful for this technology that not only enables you to watch this online, but enables me to be in Israel while I preach a message on Revelation 21 and 22. And so we're just thankful uh, for the technology that the Lord has given us uh, to be able to do these kinds of things. So today, as I've said, is our last message in this series of Revelation. And I just want to remind us of a couple of things as we lean in uh, to this closing message. And, and that is this, that the word revelation means to unveil. And, and while the Apostle John is in exile on the island of Patmos, Jesus comes to him. And, and as we've been saying over and over and over in the series, Jesus pulls back the curtain of reality. And, and Jesus shows John some things that are out of his physical sight but are absolutely reality that is going on all around him. And, and this vision that Jesus gave to John was not just for John. It, it was for the seven churches of Asia Minor that Jesus told him to write this letter to. It was for the, the capital C church all over the world for all time since then. And we are so thankful that, that Jesus did pull back that curtain so that we could see some reality uh, that we weren't aware of before. And, and one thing that I hope that you have gotten from this whole series is the idea that we've just been talking about over and over and over again, that we don't have to fear tomorrow because tomorrow has been won. And, and really, we're going to talk a lot about that today. But, but the point of the book of Revelation is not to be a letter for us here 2,000 years later to figure out somehow the code of when Jesus is going to return exactly. It's not for us to somehow figure out the code of, of exactly who is the Antichrist and what exactly is the mark of the beast and, and all of these things. The point is so that we would live faithfully and we would live true to the, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And, and when things are going difficult around us, when, when there's even persecution and hardship, is there were things like that going on in the Roman Empire as John was writing this letter to the seven churches in Asia Minor. The, the message and the, the book of Revelation is that we would be a people of hope because we knew what was coming and we knew what the end of the story was. And so... God didn't give us this book to scare us. So if you've looked at this book through a lens of fear, if you've looked at this book through a, a lens of, of somehow um, reading it and, and just being filled with confusion and, and filled with all kinds of despair, the, the hope of this series is that we would be able to look to this book with a new set of eyes and we would be able to read it with hope and encouragement uh, in fact, I'm, I'm so excited. This Even going through this book um, has really inspired the series that we're going to start up in just a couple of weeks. And we're going to be talking about what does it look like to, to live with hope and optimism in a world that is 
filled with fear and pessimism. I mean, what, is, what does that look like? And we're going to spend four weeks really just leaning into the fact that we are to be the most hope-filled people. And part of what we're going to talk about today is why we are to be the most hope-filled people. And so uh, if you have your Bibles with you, and I hope you do, we're going to just read together these last two chapters of Revelation chapter 21 and Revelation chapter 22. And so uh, we're going to jump in at, at Revelation 21 verse 1. Hear the word of the Lord. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. And I saw a holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people, and he will live with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I'm making everything new. And then he said to me, write this down, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, it is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of water of life. All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings. And I will be their God, and they will be my children. But cowards... And unbelievers, the corrupt, murderers, the immoral, those who practice witchcraft, idol worshipers, and all liars, their fate is in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Then one of the seven angels who had held the seven bowls containing the seven last plagues came and said to me, Come with me, and I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. So he took me in the spirit to a great high mountain, and he showed me the holy city of Jerusalem descending out of heaven from God. And it shone with the glory of God and sparkled like a precious stone, like jasper, as clear as crystal. The city was all broad and high with 12 gates guarded by 12 angels, and the names of the 12 tribes of Israel were written on the gates. And there were three gates on each side, east and north and south and west. And the wall of the city had twelve foundation stones, and on them were written the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And the angel who talked to me held in his hand a gold measuring stick to measure the city, its gates, and its walls. And when he measured it, he found it was a square as wide as it was long. In fact, its length and width and height were each 1,400 miles. And then he measured the walls and found them to be 216 feet thick, according to the human standards used by the angel. And the wall was made of jasper, and the city was pure gold, as clear as glass, and the wall of the city was built on foundation stones inlaid with 12 precious stones. 
The first was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth carnelian, and the seventh chrysolite, and the eighth beryl, and the ninth topaz, and the tenth chrysoprase, and the eleventh jacinth, and the twelfth amethyst. And the twelve gates were made of pearls, each gate from a single pearl. And the main street was pure gold, as clear as glass, i.e. there are no potholes in heaven. Like that's just, if you, you need to know that, no potholes whatsoever. I saw no temple in the city, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. And the city has no need of sun or moon, for the glory of God illuminates the city. And the Lamb is its light, and the nations will walk in its light, and the kings of the world will enter the city in all their glory, and its gates will never be closed. And at the end of the day, because there is no night there, all the nations will bring their glory and honor into the city. Nothing evil will be allowed to enter, nor anyone who practices shameful idolatry and dishonesty, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Revelation chapter 22 goes on and it says this, and Then the angel showed me a river with water of life clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God of the Lamb. It flowed down the center of the main street, and on each side of the river grew a tree of life bearing twelve crops of fruit, with a fresh crop each month. The leaves were used for medicine to heal the nations. No longer will there be a curse upon anything, for the throne of God and the Lamb will be there, and His servants will worship Him, and they will see His face, and His name will be written on their foreheads. And there will be no night there, and no need for lamps or sun, for the Lord God will shine on them, and they will reign forever and forever. And then the angel said to me, Everything you have heard and seen is trustworthy and true. The Lord God who inspires his prophets has sent an angel to tell his servants what will happen soon. Jesus is coming. Look, I am coming soon. Blessed are those who obey the words of prophecy written in this book. I, John, am the one who heard and saw all these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said, no, don't worship me, for I am a servant of God just like you. Your brothers, the prophets, as well as all who obey what is written in this book, worship only God. And then he instructed me, do not seal up the prophetic words in this book, for the time is near. Let the one who is doing harm continue to do harm. Let the one who is vile continue to be vile. Let the one who is righteous continue to live righteously. And let the one who is holy continue to be holy. Look, I am coming soon, bringing my reward with me to repay all people according to their deeds. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes 
they will be permitted to enter through the gates of the city and eat the fruit of the tree of life. Outside the city are the dogs, the sorcerers, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idol worshipers, and all who love to live a lie. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this message from the churches, for the churches. I am both the source of David and the heir to his throne. I am the bright morning star. The Spirit and the Bride say, Come. Let anyone who hears this come. Let anyone who is thirsty come. Let anyone who desires to drink, drink freely from the water of life. And I solemnly declare to everyone who hears the words of prophecy written in this book, If anyone adds anything to what is written here, God will add to that person the plagues described in this book. And if anyone removes any of the words from this book of prophecy, God will remove that person's share in the tree of life, and in the holy city that are described in this book. He who is the faithful witness to all these things says, Yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. May the grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's holy people. This is the last two chapters of God's word, and we are thankful for it. Now, we don't normally read two chapters uh, in their entirety, but, but sometimes Scripture is so rich that we just need to hear it in its completeness. And, and these two chapters are two of these chapters that, that I, could, I could talk about pieces of them uh, for weeks and weeks and weeks, uh, but I, I just wanted us to hear the beauty of what God has to say about what is in store for us, what is coming for those of us that put our hope in Jesus. Verse 1 in chapter 21 says this, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the old heaven and the old earth had, been, had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. Now, um, I, I don't want you to understand that what John is saying here is that somehow um, God is going to wad up and throw away that which was old and start all over with something completely new. That, that's not what Scripture is saying here. He, he's not saying he's going to throw away the old and start over. He's saying he's going to restore that which was broken and marred. He, he's going to, to take the creation that he has never given up hope on, and he is going to restore it to that which he originally intended before sin messed everything in the world so completely up. And I know some of us are thinking, well, isn't that what Noah, you know, in Noah's day, what happened is God said, hey, I'm going to destroy everything and I'm going to start over completely new. And, and I would say, no, that's not even what God did in Noah's day. Because he didn't start completely new. He actually uh, held on to uh, this, the whole story of Noah is that he uh, didn't wipe it all away, but he took one family and, and he began to renovate. He took one family and he took two of every kind of animal and he began a renovation process. And, and what's going to happen um, at, at this time in history is God is going to complete this renovation process. When, when God sent his son Jesus to come to us uh, in flesh, uh, he did it not to destroy the world, 
but he did it to save and restore and redeem the world. And, and actually, not just redeem humanity, but to redeem and restore all of creation. And I think this is one of the beautiful things about what we learn here in these last two chapters. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it says this, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, and a new life has begun. Now that's not saying that when we give our lives to Jesus, he's just going to throw away everything from the old and, and start completely new. That's, that's not what we have experienced in our lives. That he begins to take our lives and he begins to repair the damage and heal and restore. And he takes all of our past, all of the wounds, all of the baggage, all of the hurts, all of the, the sinful experience, and he forgives us. But then he uses that to help us even move forward. And that becomes a trophy of his grace and it becomes a, an opportunity uh, for us to be redeemed uh, in significant ways and to use those painful experiences, those hurts and those past issues to then be a light and a healing and a restoring hope to those around us who have not yet encountered the love of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so uh, God wants to restore our lives, and he can do that right now. And one day he is going to restore all of creation. And I think this is uh, such a powerful, powerful piece. And, and, and he wants to do that uh, for some of us who are maybe here today. And he wants to do that for some of us who are watching online today. That, that there might be some of you even today that have never yet asked Jesus to be Lord and Savior. And, and, and you've, you've been curious, you've been exploring, you've been checking out some things, but... But it could be that today would be the day that you would say, I'm ready to step across that line and I'm ready to receive the grace of Jesus so that my life can begin to be restored and redeemed to bring hope where there has been despair. And God wants to do that with our lives. And one day John tells us that he's going to do this with the whole planet, all of creation. And so what's this world going to look like? Uh, Revelation 21.2 says this, And I saw the holy city and the new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. Now listen closely to what that passage says. We are not going to one day go up to heaven. We are going to experience heaven coming down to us. I just want you to think about what the words of this passage tell us, that the holy city is going to come down out of heaven from God. Heaven is going to literally break into this world, and it is going to totally transform this world and everything that we experience it. And that just smashes what so many of us think about eternity and about heaven in so many ways. Heaven isn't some distant place out there where God is going to take us and we're all going to live someday and we're going to float on clouds and we're going to strum harps. Not that there's anything wrong with harps, Peggy. We, we love harps, but um, we're not going to spend eternity strumming harps. Uh, that, that's just not what it's going to be. And 
And when you think about um, what it is to experience all the joys of, of this planet and of earth that we have now, uh, I, I don't want us to, to think of this as uh, heaven is going to be like a copy of the earth that we have now. I, I love how uh, C.S. Lewis says this. C.S. Lewis says, The hills and the valleys will be to those you now experience. So he's talking about the hills and valleys of heaven. Will to be the, to those you now experience, not as a copy to the original, nor as a substitute to the genuine article, but as the flower to the root or the diamond to the coal. So heaven is not going to be less than what we experience on earth today. I, um, I just want you to think about that. If you think about all of the places that you long to visit, all of the, the beautiful pictures you've ever seen from around the world in any place of the world or, or any experience you think about and you think, man, I, I wish... I, I, I was able to go see that place. I wish I was able to go experience just the majesty of all of the world. What, what Scripture tells us is that we will have all of eternity to explore and experience all of creation in a way that we can't even imagine. And the new creation, the, the unmarred by sin creation, is going to be so much better than what we can even imagine. As C.S. Lewis says, it's, it's going to be like what we are looking at now is a piece of coal, and it's a diamond in heaven. Uh, what we're looking at now is the root, but we're going to see the flower in heaven. That it, it will be heaven coming down to us, but it will be restored and recreated, and it will be immeasurably better than anything that we could ever fathom. And, and God is so big and and creation is so vast that we will get to spend all of eternity growing in our understanding. And I, and I don't know how many of you are, are uh, you know, Star Trek nerds or Star Wars nerds. And, and you just think, man, how cool would it be to explore it? And I, I just don't know what heaven is going to entail. But I can imagine uh, that, that some of the desire to explore beyond even what we have here on earth well, it is a seed of the hope of just uh, growing in our knowledge and our capacity. And, and there's just so many things we don't know about what heaven will be like, but I know that we will never get bored. And I know that it's not going to be an eternal shuffleboard game in a retirement center in heaven or us floating on clouds playing harps or, or wearing choir robes in a celestial choir. Uh, we will be experiencing the presence and the wonder of God constantly and experiencing all the joys of his creation. And so heaven is going to be the greatest adventure that you have ever known. I, I don't know if you've ever thought of heaven in that way. Without all the hardships, without all the battles, without all the struggles, it, it will be a purposeful adventure walking in the presence of our God constantly. Uh, and we, we are going to have all of eternity to explore more and more and more of God's goodness and his wonder and all of the things that he has created. And, and we, the other thing scripture is clear about is that we are going to have physical bodies. We're not going to be spirits. We're, we're going to have a physical body that, 
that Scripture is very clear that when Jesus comes back, that those who have died and their spirits are in heaven right now in the presence of Jesus, worshiping the slain lamb, that when Jesus returns, our spirits will be reunited with our bodies. And we will be resurrected from the grave. And just as Jesus had a resurrected body, we will have resurrected bodies. And we will experience all of the goodness of, of being in the presence of Christ. Experiencing the wonders of a body that no longer gets sick. A body that no longer gets tired and worn out. A body that no longer has to deal with any of the frailties of this life, and, and it will be amazing. John, John spends most of chapter 21 and, and the first part of chapter 2 kind of giving us this guided tour of what heaven is going to be like. And there are all kinds of things in this tour, um, but we get this. This is the point. It's going to be stunningly beautiful, and it's going to shine with the glory of God. We, we see there's pearly gates there's walls that are made of jewels and road, roads that are made of gold. Um, and, and again, like so many things in the book of Revelation, this isn't about being literal, but this is about helping us understand as good as you can possibly imagine it will be, it's going to be better. That, that's really what we're trying to get a picture of. And, and certainly uh, when, when John talks about streets of gold, some of us wonder, well, you know, what, what's the big deal about streets of gold? But in ancient times, you have to remember that roads weren't paved. And the Romans were the, the first people that brought a comprehensive road system into the world, but those roads weren't paved. And, and when it rained, they were muddy. And when it was dry, they were dusty. And whether it was rainy or dry, they were always bumpy. And, and you can just imagine the contrast for the person in the first century who was reading about these roads that were smooth as, as glass and, and they were golden, that the contrast of what they were experiencing on a day-to-day -day basis compared to what heaven would be like. And, and, and that's kind of the picture that we're to get, that there's these 12 gates that are made of huge pearls. You know, it, the point is not, oh my goodness, that's a big pearl. The point is, this is beyond anything you can possibly imagine. This is going to be so good, you can't even wrap your brain around how amazing heaven is going to be. And, and John tells us heaven is going to be like a city. At least part of heaven is going to be like a city. And in fact, he calls it this new Jerusalem. And um, I cannot wait. Uh, it'll be uh, six days from now that, that Melanie and I will have the opportunity to walk through the streets of the old Jerusalem, this earthly Jerusalem. And, I, and I'll get to experience uh, some of that city and, and the wonders of that city. But, but one day John tells us that there's going to be a new Jerusalem. And that new Jerusalem is, is going to be filled with people and fellowship and love and all kinds. Basically everything good about a city all the great restaurants, all, you know, it's kind of like those of us who are here in Rockledge and we're like, you know, it's nice to be able to go over to Orlando and there's theme parks and, and there's certain restaurants that they have over there that we don't have here. Um, it, there's just, there's, there's all kinds of nice things sometimes in the city. And, and you take all of the good things of the city with none of the bad, right? None of the crime and none of the traffic and, and none of these other challenges and, and people, um, are going to know each other in heaven. 
There, there's going to be people that you know in heaven, and there's going to be eternity for you to get to know the people that you don't know. And so I, I think one of the things um, that we need to know is there is going to be joy in relationships. And, and we live in a society right now that is so isolated. We live in a society that is, is so isolated and, and COVID just amplified the problem of isolation in our culture and our society. And what we need to know is in heaven there's going to be no loneliness in heaven, there's going to be no isolation. In heaven, there's going to be community and laughter and joy and people that we know and the people that we don't know, we're going to love getting to know. It is going to be an amazing, amazing experience. And you need to know this. If people bug you now, you need to start working on this now. Or else you might get to heaven and have to go through some remedial classes on how to get along well with people because there is going to be relationships in heaven. And, and the reasons that you struggle with relationships now, they won't be barriers for you one day in heaven. And so uh, because the, the one thing heaven will not be is a place of loneliness. Scripture is very clear that hell will be a place of isolation and loneliness. And heaven will be a place of community and joy and laughter and eternal banquets and eternal parties and eternal joyfulness in the presence of our God experiencing his goodness. And so uh, John describes the, the size of this city and and uh, the, the short description is it's larger than the subcontinent of India. Uh, it was a big, big place. But the, the point that John was making is not a literal size. The, the point is the symbolicness of, hey, there's going to be no traffic jams in heaven. There's not going to be overcrowding in heaven. There, there's not going to be problems uh, with you being able to find a parking spot in heaven. It, it's, it's going to be all of the wonders and amazing things of this life with none of the overcrowding that we might experience. And, and Satan wants us to believe that heaven is going to be less than that. And Satan wants us to buy into this lie that heaven is going to, to somehow uh, be something less than. And so whatever pictures that you've ever had of heaven that are less than everything that I've just talked about, just know that those are lies from the enemy. And the truth is, heaven is going to be better than you could possibly ever wrap your mind around. And if that's not worth being excited about, I just don't know what is. Revelation 21.3 says this, I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people, and he will live with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them. God will live with us in a way. And, and later on in this chapter, John tells us that there will be no temple in this city. Now, I love that. For, for the Old Testament people, they, they needed a temple where the presence of God was. And, and there were outer courts. And, and, and kind of the, the closer you got into the Holy of Holies, the, the closer you were to the presence of God. And there were all of these systems of barriers for people to get closer and closer and and what God is saying is, hey, in heaven, in this new Jerusalem, there's not going to be a, a temple. 
in this new Jerusalem that literally God will be there permeating the entire place and you won't have to go to a temple to experience God's presence. I think sometimes we buy into the lie that um, somehow God's presence is, is bottled up into a church building, but the truth of the matter is God's presence is with us all the time. God's presence can be with us where we work and where we play, and, and, and there is a, a holiness that can permeate our lives throughout time and space. And in heaven, we're going to experience that in perfection, but here's what I want us to know. We can be practicing what that means to live in that way now. In fact, we're told in the New Testament that uh, the, the, the veil was torn to the Holy of Holies from top to bottom when, when Jesus died on the cross, that, that his presence has been made available to us all the time through the Holy Spirit. And so John says we won't need the sun, we won't need the moon to give us light anymore because God himself will be our light that Jesus the Lamb will be our lamp, that we won't feel confused or lost or forgotten, that we'll walk every moment in God's immediate presence. Take, take a, a time, if you've ever, if you've been a, a part of church, you've been walking with Jesus for a long time, think of the, the time in your life that you felt closest to God. The time in your life where you felt his presence in the most powerful and real way. Amplify that beyond anything you can imagine, and then think about just going for all of eternity in that moment and in that space. And if you've never experienced that, if you've never had a, a, just a moment of, of, of sheer peace and joy and, and experience of God's presence in its fullness, then, then I, I encourage you to, to just ask the Lord to begin to show you what his presence can bring into your life, that that if you're not a follower of Jesus yet, that, that even today you would say, Lord, would you show me what that's like to have an encounter with you? To just have a taste of what your presence is like. And, and I believe if you would get a taste of his presence, get a taste of his, uh, of his spirit encountering you, that you would want more of it. That we can have more of it in this life, but scripture tells us that one day in eternity we'll be immersed in that presence and in that moment. Uh, this is not something new. If you remember all the way back in the book of Genesis, this is exactly what God did. God, God created this amazing garden. He put Adam and Eve in this amazing garden. They had intimate fellowship with God. They were close to him. They, they walked and they talked with him. They had a purposeful existence. They were given work to do. And it was work that was meaningful. It was work that was purposeful. It was work that fulfilled them. It didn't drain them. And, and in the midst of all of this, they were filled with joy and peace and security and health and the hope of revelation is that one day God is going to restore his creation to what he intended it to be before sin broke in and messed everything up so horribly. Revelation 21.4 says this, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or sorrow, crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. There, there are some hurts that are not able to be fully healed in this life. I know that there are some of you who are here today, there are some of you who are watching this online, and, and you have experienced pain so deep 
that you have experienced healing and forgiveness and wholeness, but, but there are some pains and wounds that will not be fully healed until one day when we get to heaven. And, and we do all kinds of things to cope with that pain here in this life. We, we're able to, to be a part of communities of faith. We're, we're able to, to have support groups. We're able to, to face life uh, with, with the greatest hope and expectations that we don't go alone, that Jesus goes with us. But one day, the, the greater hope is not just that somehow Jesus is going to walk with us and give us strength in the midst of the pain, but one day we will literally stand before God himself. And he will look us in the eye and he will wipe every tear from our eyes and he will make every wrong right. He will restore every wound and every pain that we've ever had and, and he will give us a peace that we've never understood and a joy that we've never encountered before. Uh, and, and he will do something that we cannot imagine. Every emotional wound, every sadness that he'll fix everything and he'll fully restore us. Revelation 21 8 says this, but but cowards and unbelievers, the corrupt, the murderers, the immoral, those who practice witchcraft, idol worshipers, and all liars, their fate is in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. And and it's almost here at the end that that John just wants to remind us that not everybody is going to get to this amazing place called heaven. That being a good person is not enough to get into this amazing place called heaven. And, and that no matter, no matter what sin we have in our life, that no matter how good we are or how bad we've been, Scripture says that, that our righteousness is as filthy rags. And what these two chapters tell us is the only way for us to come in to this amazing invitation to heaven is for us to receive the forgiveness that Christ Jesus offers us and, and to receive the wholeness that he offers us. And, and it's, it's been said, that I've heard this, that, that some people are so heavenly minded that they're no earthly good. I don't know if you've ever heard that. Uh, but I think more often we are so earthly minded we're no heavenly good. That, that we are so focused on this earth and we're so focused on the temporary things of this life that we aren't able to experience all of the good things that God has in store for us. And we've lost sight of what is to come. And I'm just telling us, church, if we could get a picture of how good heaven's going to be, that it would make all of the difficulties that we're facing in this life pale in comparison. And we would be able to have new endurance and new strength to go through the trials of this life, knowing what is in store for us in the life to come. So I don't know where you are in, in your relationship with the Lord. We, we've spent all of these weeks uh, in the book of Revelation, and, and we have talked about um, all of the things that this book points us to, the, the hope to be faithful, the, the good news of what is to come, and, and why it's worth persevering. And, and as I think about these last words in Revelation chapter 22, when, when we are instructed uh, that in verse 14, blessed are those who wash their robes, they will be permitted to enter into the gates of the city and eat the fruit 
of the tree of life. When I think about this fact that, that we have been invited in, that, that we have an invitation to this amazing, wondrous eternity of goodness. And some of us just say, um, I'm not interested. This here is really good right now. I want to spend my life focusing on what I can see right now. And when when I think about how even those of us who are following Jesus sometimes get so caught up thinking about the pains and the hurts and the difficulties and the trials, instead of putting our eyes on the goodness that is to come and experiencing God's strength and hope in the midst of the trials now, It just makes me say, Lord, help us. Help us, even as we end this series, to set our hearts right. And so I I want to invite you to to bow your heads. I want to invite you to uh, pray with me. And, And if you are someone who has never made the decision to ask Jesus to be Lord of your life, to forgive you of your sins, if you've never accepted the invitation uh, into heaven and allowed him to wash your robes, that no matter how good of a person you have been uh, in the presence of a a holy God or like filthy rags, or even if you've been a, a horrible, terrible person, that there is no sin that is so great that God's grace can't redeem it. I want you to, in your own words, just pray this prayer with me. Just Just to say, dear Jesus, will you forgive me of my sins? Will will you accept me? Will you take my life as as broken as it is, as imperfect as it is, and, and will you redeem and restore my life? And will you begin to help me experience a taste of heaven here and now? And Lord, I look forward to one day being able to experience all of the joys of heaven for eternity in your presence. God, work in me. Forgive me. I I commit this day to choose to follow you. I I repent of my sin, and I want to turn and follow you and turn away from my sin. If you prayed that prayer just now, if you asked Jesus to be Lord of your life, uh, then you have received the greatest invitation, and you've accepted that invitation. And and it's not something for out there. That new life begins today, right now. And I'm so thankful that you made that decision. And for those of you who are here, who've been followers of Jesus for a long time, my hope and my prayer for us is that we would see this book. We would see particularly the book of Revelation. And, and we would think and see of heaven in a new and exciting way. And not be filled with fear for what is to come, but be filled with hope. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for the hope that you give us in your word. Lord, we ask that you would help us to set our eyes on you in the midst of whatever is going on in this world. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.